engine light on? Take the guesswork out of your check engine light with O'Reilly Veriscan. It's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASE certified master technicians. And if you need help, we can recommend a shop for you. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This week is going to be my annual Christmas special. As the holidays near, it's a great time to share hunting stories, prepare meals of wild game, and enjoy the harvest after the hunt. We put so much emphasis on success of the hunt, but there's also a lot of success to be had in the kitchen as well. This week, I'm going to be breaking down a few of my all-time favorite preps that you should try this holiday season. And also stay tuned because if you've listened to the Christmas special before, you know that I like to do a few special giveaways. But before I do that, I figured I'd tell the story of this week's traditional muzzleloader hunt in true Christmas fashion. I spent the week chasing elk and whitetail deer in the mountains, but as my time for the hunt winded down, I found myself on the last evening of the last day looking to fill a tag. This was my first time hunting with a traditional muzzleloader, and honestly, I would have taken anything at this point. So come and join me on a true hunt story I wrote in Christmas verse. "'Twas the week before Christmas when hunting alone, visibility was bad and almost time to go home. The traditional muzzleloader was loaded with care, in hopes that an elk would soon be there. I spotted some cows all snug in their beds, but no legal bulls with racks on their heads. It was the last two hours, hoping to load a cap. I had just settled my brain on some whitetail backstrap. When out of the woods there rose such a clatter, I focused my binos to see what was the matter. Away to the ground, I ducked like a flash, pulled back the hammer, and got ready to blast. A small buck emerged in the new-fallen snow. I gave a firm grip to the musket below. 
when what to my wondering eyes did appear but a bigger buck, a ten-point deer. He moved toward the other buck so lively and quick, then behind the bushes I heard their antlers click. More rapid than a beagle, I cut the distance all the same and set up my camera and calmed my brain. Now record, now focus, now grab the gun and focus in on the bigger one. Skip ranging, onto aiming, calm my breath and rest the sight behind the chest. Focused on the iron sight, shooting a patched ball, now one buck moved away, moved away, no here go all. As the bigger buck looked to turn, I let the bullet fly, aiming on the buck perfectly on the side. Black powder smoke billowed, and the round ball flew. It shot through the air and found its mark too. And then after waiting, I walked over for proof. The buck ran off, but I found the tracks from his hoof. As I drew closer and was looking around, I saw hair and blood on the ground. And then in the thicks, I spotted a hoof. Less than 20 yards from the shot, there he lay, tucked under a bush. A younger buck, but he sported a good rack. It was now time to drag this buck back. The truck was close. It was a pretty easy carry. Honestly, the packout was cherry. This traditional muzzleloader is a lot like a bow. I had to get close, crawl real low. I cooked tenderloin that night. It was not tough on the teeth. Into the cast iron on a really high heat. With just some butter and seasoning, it was good to the belly. The flavor of success, way better than anything prepared by Mario Batali. Near the skinning pole, I grabbed my Gerber knife from a shelf and thought, I'll butcher him myself. A quick skinning job down to the head, I quartered him up with nothing to dread. I spoke not a word, but went straight to work and removed the final quarter with a jerk. I will use this whole deer from his tail to his nose. I put the meat in a Yeti so it would not be froze. It was really cold out. I loaded the truck. A Christmas song I did whistle. This buck will be Christmas dinner with garlic, rosemary, and an olive oil drizzle. I had a great time hunting with the old iron sight. So Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Now that is a Christmas hunt story. I had a lot of fun this last week hunting with the muzzleloader. Um, it's the first time actually hunting with a traditional muzzleloader, and I learned a lot. Actually, my wife got the gun for me uh, two Christmases ago. It was something that I'd talked about wanting to get into um, and never just actually doing it. And I was pretty lucky because my father-in-law actually uh, is big into you know, traditional muzzleloader, black powder hunting. And so he kind of showed me the ropes a lot on the, the process of cleaning. And, and that was kind of the, my main barrier to entry to that type of hunt is just like not knowing really how to use the gun, take care of the gun, being proficient with it. Um, so I actually had a 54 caliber Petersoli, uh, I guess it was a Hawkins style uh, mountain gun. They call it a mountain gun. I think it was um, not not super easy to carry in the mountains. It's pretty heavy. I think it's got like a 35-inch barrel, something like that. But, you know, frontiersmen would use it because encounter a lot larger animals uh, out west at the time, grizzly bears, elk, bison, other things. So uh, definitely uh, a little bit bigger than the shorter, smaller 50 cal Hawkins. Uh, but I decided to go with that because I was going to be hunting either elk or deer. Uh, one thing with late season hunts, I think something that I kind of forget about 
is, you know, late season hunting can be incredible. You know, you've got, if you get the right weather, you can have animals move into an area. They can, they can be out in the open. Um, the downside is you might run into that same weather while you're hunting and have no visibility. Unfortunately for me, where I was at, uh, hunting up pretty high, I did not have any viz uh, to where I wanted to go, to where I wanted to be. It was fogged in, socked in, snowing, blowing really hard. Uh, if it wasn't snowing, snow from the ground was blowing in your face. It just made glassing impossible. So it made the hunting a little tough. I did get in on a few groups of elk with some smaller bulls. I kind of saved my tag to hunt this particular season. Uh, looking for a better bull and over the course of archery and rifle season passed up some nice six points and some other bulls just saying I wanted the experience to hunt with a traditional muzzleloader this year I mean one thing I like to think of myself is uh, I like to think of myself as a hunter it doesn't matter what the season is I like to try it all I like to if there was a hunting with spoon season I'd probably be into it and give it a shot and this was kind of one I've muzzleloader hunted I've bow hunted I've traditional bow hunted uh, but I had never really jumped into hunting with a traditional muzzleloader and there actually is a big difference uh when hunting with one i i found um, but this this particular hunt was really fun i uh, did get in on a few elk some small bulls down a little bit lower uh, not really what i was looking for but i definitely also had in my mind oh, man i want to be successful with this gun because i haven't uh, hunted with it and it was kind of like well i'm kind of gone during the holiday season um if i'm away from home my wife and baby uh, I should probably bring some meat home for Christmas. Not that I didn't, it wasn't successful this season and had meat, but it was, it'd be nice to have something fresh to cook up for Christmas and new year. So I really wanted to bring something home as well and, and be successful with it. Uh, so that, that was a lot of fun. It's always fun to try something new and it was fun because it was a Christmas gift for my wife. Uh, something that meant a lot. It's a, it's a beautiful rifle. Uh, something about classic firearms. Something about, you know, just having a wood stock and a metal butt plate and just a lot of metal. And, yeah, it's heavy and it's cumbersome and it's difficult to carry. But the thing looks like a work art. That's for darn sure. And uh, carrying it around, you know, actually, it was kind of fun. It was something that made me think of my family, made me think about uh, the people that I love and, and trying something new and, and having that and remembering that gift as well. Uh, it was kind of a cool cool thing to do right before Christmas. So I enjoyed that. And essentially the hunt went just as that poem (laughs) planned out. I was end of the end of the season last hour of the last day. I thought to myself, I was actually kind of extended my hunt one day. I was supposed to be back, um, the day prior, but ended up, uh, pushing it. I'm like, all right. Then it was the evening and I had to leave that night long drive home. So I'm like, I'm just going to go out and look for, uh, I was like thinking to myself, well, the visibility is bad right now. I'm probably not going to find an elk. And if I do, I'm going to be packing it all night and then I'm going to be late uh, getting home. So I just decided to go look for a white tail. And sure enough, I was thinking, I was like, man, I probably would have shot a doe if I could have. <laughs> but a uh, small buck was the one that I saw. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll hunt that buck. And then a bigger buck came out. And the two started fighting, sparring each other, clickety clacking the horns together and uh, used that opportunity to sneak in. I was actually self-filming and was able to get the camera set up, and they were behind the brush, so I couldn't really get a shot. I mo- I used that opportunity when they are fighting to kind of move in unnoticed, and it was pretty, like, the snow was not super loud, but also not super quiet. It was, it was really cold, so it kept some of that fluff, but just the, the stuff underneath made the noise, and I was 
moved over and the little buck was fighting the bigger buck. The bigger buck was behind some brush. I got the camera set up. The smaller buck kind of saw me, but not really super crazy curious. I was probably 50 yards or less. I don't know. I didn't range it. Just looked close. And he started to move off. And then just as that other buck started to follow him just before, I was able to get a shot off and make a good shot. Went over there and, and had a last day, last evening, Christmas buck. It was pretty awesome. And uh, one that I'll definitely remember for a very long time. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This episode is brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced? Brake light fixed? Quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop to get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto, O-R-E-I-L-L-Y, O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. For me, after the season or bringing wild game home and the holidays go hand in hand because it's a time of year when... I can prepare that wild game for friends and family. And, you know, it's also a time of year of gathering, getting together, sharing hunting stories, and and sharing a good meal. I think that over the course of the podcast, during the Christmas season, I've always tried to throw out a few recipe ideas. And one thing that I do enjoy is I enjoy bringing the meat home and then preparing it in a way that is enjoyable for people that both hunt and don't hunt. I really enjoy making a great meal out of something that I've harvested. 
So this week, I want to kind of break down a few of my favorite wild game preps. And I know that talking about cooking and like listening to it and then trying to figure it out might make it seem difficult. But I think that I'm just going to kind of glaze over the recipes, the reasons that I cook things a certain way, give you a few of my favorite holiday traditions or some things that maybe you didn't think about. Um, we're going to break it down into doing a couple different appetizers and then a couple different entrees, something that you can make with pretty much anything. And I'll kind of throw in some ways on how to uh, change it for something that you have. Now to make it a little bit easier as well, uh, today I'm going to be posting all these recipes video form on my YouTube page. So those are there. But I think that the talking about it, it would be a good way to kind of get you started, get your mind wrapped around it. So you know, you, you, maybe you've got some of these items in the fridge or freezer. And you can go out and get a few more little things and make an incredible meal to share during the holiday season. So let's jump in. One of my first things that I like to do uh, one thing that I think gets overlooked with Wild Game is making some incredible appetizers. One of my favorites to do this time of year, which can be done very simple or in this way, a little bit more complicated, is duck nuggets. Now, if you are a small game hunter or or maybe you've gone out and you shot some geese or whatever, this is a really good recipe for that. Now, it's also a really good recipe to do with any venison as well you can pretty much make this with anything and i i i like to dub this the world's best duck nuggets now you can make a nugget many different ways uh, the first could just be kind of chunking up pieces breading it and deep frying it and that turns out pretty awesome the way that i like to do it imparts a little bit more flavor and it's just a little bit yeah it's a little bit more labor intensive but it turns out just a little bit better Think about, okay, these, this is a really bad example, but the way that I like to make these nuggets is with ground meat. So very similar to like, I don't know, <laughs> the worst kind of nuggets you can get, right? Like McDonald's nuggets or uh, dino nuggets from the freezer. This is not that, okay? So when you're thinking you're going to ground meat and nuggets, yeah, this is not that. This is uh, imparting a little bit more flavor because you can mix in some herbs and some other things and you can make them kind of uniform shape. They cook really well. And they're incredible to eat. So I know that's a bold claim, but it, it's the perfect blend of flavor, crunch, and texture. And they're super savory this way. It's a definite crowd pleaser. So you're going to get gather yourself up, I don't know, probably about six ducks, maybe 12 duck breasts. You could do this with um, a pound or two of ground venison, whatever you got. Then I use about a teaspoon of fresh thyme chopped up, about a teaspoon of fresh sage chopped up, about a teaspoon of garlic salt. And then you're going to need some flour. So maybe like a, I mean, this portion doesn't necessarily even need to be exact, but maybe like a cup and a half of flour, a cup and a half of breadcrumbs, two eggs that you're going to beat up. Just, you know, take them out back and beat them. Uh, and then a tablespoon of, or sorry, a teaspoon of garlic salt. And then you're going to need some vegetable oil for like, if you've got a deep fryer, that's the best way to do it. And like a little tabletop deep fryer this is the way we do it. We run it outside though. So it doesn't just, uh, smell up the house and spray oil everywhere. Um, or even like sometimes we'll use like a turkey deep fryer, anything that you can fry oil in. I like to fry stuff outside. My little secret. <laughs> so, secret to keeping the holiday house clean. Um, and then, so the first step is going to be you're going to grind. Now, if you haven't, if you got a grinder, you're going to grind up the deck press. So, you're essentially on a fine grind setting, making what would be your 
your nugget base. So you're taking the breast and then grinding it up. If you've already got ground venison, uh, this isn't, you just pull it out of the freezer as is and grind it up. I don't add any fat with the nuggets, um, but I'm using the eggs uh, to kind of, uh, if you want to, you can add eggs in with the meat to kind of hold it together a little bit better. For the most part though, I don't necessarily need to add anything as a binder. So now you're going to just season that duck up or that grind up uh, using like that fresh chopped thyme, that sage, a little bit of garlic salt. You're just going to mix it all in. And then what I do is I, I line a cookie sheet with like parchment paper and I press the ground meat into like a thin, even layer. So I've got cookie sheet, I've got the parchment paper, maybe a paper on top, and then just push it and let it like make one nice tray of meat. And then I'll just cover it and let it sit in the fridge for about an hour to five hours. What that's doing is just kind of letting it set, kind of mix together and kind of form, stay together. Then I'll pull that back out and I'll just form bite size like nugget patties. Then I'll dip that in the flour first. Then I have some egg beaten in a bowl. Then I dredge it in the egg after the flour, and then I finally coat in breadcrumbs. Then I'm going to heat that oil up to about 375 degrees and just fry the nuggets till they're golden brown. Once they're done, I'll put them on a paper towel, lined plate or something like that, and let them drain, and then just serve hot, good dipping sauce, 12 breasts. You know, that's a pretty good batch size, but you don't necessarily need to adjust the proportions for smaller batches because a lot of it, you know, you're just mixing in, um, you know, you, you can maybe cut some of the herbs in half, but you can't really over season them in my opinion. Uh, so that's, that's one really good appetizer to throw down with. Now the next appetizer is going to be one that, okay, you maybe, maybe you're like, oh, I wish I would have heard this earlier. So I could have, could have saved some ribs, but if you happen to save any wild game ribs, I think Korean short ribs are an incredible, incredible way to prepare wild game ribs. I think the ribs get often discarded and not really thought about. Christmas time, I save up ribs throughout the season. If I got a white tail or whatever, uh, when I, back when we used to gather a lot and I would do a, my, what I like to call my famous Christmas party, uh, cooking up all different kinds of things. Ribs was just like a home run. You know, most of the time you think of ribs as not very good on wild game, uh, but prepared right, they can be incredible. And Korean short ribs are one of my favorites. Now this recipe um, a good friend of mine, Bridget, uh, is Korean and her mom like had the traditional Korean short rib recipe that is like their Korean short ribs were always the best and they should be cause they're from Korea. And so I think that, uh, I, I kind of got like the recipe and one thing that I found out, there's a lot of sugar in good Korean short ribs. And that was, that was, I would always try to mimic it myself in some way, shape or form. And then I f figured it out. You just got to use the sugar. It, it really, it really makes it good. So what I do first, like if I've got uh, elk generally, especially if I um, got in a place where I could pull all the ribs off, bone in ribs. Uh, maybe you, maybe you did like a rib roll on your elk. I don't know if you do that when I, a lot of times if I don't want to carry the ribs out, I actually just, um, you know, take all the meat off in one and I, I make the, the same exact thing, just boneless short ribs. Um, and so what you're going to need, you're going to need some soy sauce, about a half a cup. And then a quarter cup of soda, and that's like either Mountain Dew or 7-Up or some kind of clear citrus soda. And then you're going to go a quarter cup of sugar. So there's it's like, I don't know how much sugar is in a quarter cup of soda, but um, then you're adding a quarter cup of sugar. And then about a tablespoon of sesame oil and three tablespoons of grated Asian pear. 
you can use any kind of pair if it's like I know I get those like people send us a gift what are they like Harry and David pairs or something like wrapped up in foil I've used those for this around this time of year they're great um, and then two tablespoons of minced garlic and about a teaspoon of grated ginger so what this is the ribs like think about a whole rib cage and you're just cutting along so there's multiple rib bones in each short rib I would say so I just like use a bandsaw or saw or sawzall or whatever I generally just use like a sawzall with a pretty much like a metal cutting blade and just rip through them. So you mix all that stuff together. That makes your marinade. You just soak it. You can soak it up to all day or do it in the morning. Soak it all day. Cook them at night. Just let it soak in that. And then you just throw it on the grill about three minutes per side and they come out incredible. Um, Just uh, something to think about. Something a little different. Maybe I know there's, you know, a lot of people probably have not had Korean short ribs with elk or venison, and they turn out great. Now, this one could be either an appetizer or an entree, and it's a little bit different. I kind of got this recipe, and maybe I've talked about this one before, but I got this recipe. My dad and I were stranded in Kodiak when you're temporarily due to some weather, a lot of harsh wind and rain, and in the confusion of packing, my dad was supposed to grab the bag that had the food, and he ended up like grabbing some extra like the wrong bag. So we got there and we just didn't have enough food for the time they were supposed to be there. And then weather moved in and we got like, had to stay there for a longer period of time. So we went out and shot some deer. We had deer tags. It was great. And now we said, cool, we've got all the food we need. Um, so we had fresh meat, but we just didn't really have anything to season it with. And so we just had to improvise and we were pretty close to the ocean. So what I ended up doing, we got some driftwood. We built a large fire uh, scrounged around and found like a large flat rock. And then I got the, uh, I just dunked it in the ocean, got a lot of little salty ocean water, got, got a bunch of extra water too. Like I actually found a cup. It was like a sports cup from probably a tanker that had spilled somewhere in the seas. <laughs> Plastic just shows up in random places. Um, and, uh, so had that. And so got the hot rock super hot and then kept pouring the salt water on it to use the salt from the ocean to help season the meat. And then uh, as the water evaporated, leave the salt behind. So he'd cut strips off and then put it on the stone and then cook it on the hot rock and cut some of the blacktail back fat off and use that as well. And it was one of the best camp meals we'd ever had. Of course, we were extremely hungry, but I kind of thought, oh, let's recreate this at home. So what I do is I, I've actually found a, a big rock when I was out chuck running. Like part of this recipe is just going and finding a big flat stone. And then what you do is you get the barbecue real hot, put the rock on there and get the rock super hot. About an inch and a half or more thickness is good for retaining heat and then doesn't easily break. Uh, Just as a side note, wash the rock before you cook on it. But you want it nice and dry when you throw it on there. And then after you do that, I kind of just like season the top of it with a little bit of olive oil, kind of like you would like a cast iron pan. Uh, And then for this recipe, what what we're doing is essentially making like a hot rock steak. So I'm cooking it on this salted rock. And then I do like a chimichurri sauce outside of that. So you just need some coarse salt, pepper, maybe clove of garlic, some oregano, dried parsley, maybe a quarter cup of light olive oil, some Worcestershire sauce, Worcestershire sauce. That's a good word. And uh, and then I make a, a marinade out of that first. And then I'll, I'll take the meat, put it in the marinade, or you can even just do it unmarinated. And then it's time to cook. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll put the rock on the grill, heat it super hot. Get it like 500 degrees, like the grill probably 500 degrees for at least five minutes. And then what I do is I will pour a bunch of salt in the water and get like salty water going. Then you're going to make 
uh, then you're going to get like a rag or something of the sort and make like a mop. So we're going to dip the mop in the salt water and then mop the hot rock with that salt water. And you'll notice as that rock heats the water, the water burns off and then we, we get this nice salty rock. I know there's like something you buy is like a Himalayan salt rock that you can cook on. You could just do that too. But this is kind of a DIY version of that. So you, you get that rock nice and salty and then you don't even really need to um, salt your steak if you don't want. I generally oftentimes just get like a nice steak dry. I'll, I'll cut slices, cut it thin, and then throw it on that salted hot rock, close it, and just let it cook, and then flip it. It doesn't even take maybe two and a half minutes per side, pretty quick, and then pull it off. I like it pretty rare, 120 degree internal temperature, and then in between the cooking, so you like mop the rock, and then let it reheat so it gets really hot. And maybe do a few more passes about that. Let it reheat again. And then you throw your steak on. So you're, you're essentially using the, the salty rock to impart that kind of salt and sear onto your steak. You can also do this like on a cast iron skillet too. If you don't want to do the rock thing, you can, you can actually take a dry cast iron pan, salt it, and then throw your steaks in on that. Don't use any oil or anything. And you'd think it would stick, but it, um, it doesn't as long as it's really hot and you got that salt in there. And then afterwards, like I'll make a chimichurri sauce or some kind of sauce and coat the top of it. And that can be, it's really good like as a finger food or even as a, as an entree, just something a little bit different. Now, if you're a small game hunter, goose hunter, duck hunter, a traditional thing that I cook around the holidays, whether it be Christmas or New Year's happens to be duck. I like adding a little bit of duck to my wild game diet because it's kind of like the fatty version of wild game wild game's so lean and i kind of also crave some of that fat as well and i find that fat by duck hunting for the most part now this this recipe i was actually in uh first year i lived in new zealand uh, ended up it's kind of a it's actually a long story but i ended up work like starting to work for this guy but uh, i didn't have a vehicle at the time so i got dropped off and he just kind of dropped his, me off this like this place where we're going to be working and they never showed back up. And it's, it's a very long story because the guy who owned the place didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. The only person who knew what was going on was the guy that dropped me off. And so me and my buddy Bart were there and we like had nothing to eat and we didn't know where anything was. Like town was a very long walk away and uh, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it was funny because uh, we, we, I was like, oh, we're going hunting. And we're, we end up having this, uh, there's this apple tree out back and ran into the guy. Uh, someone was like, hey, do you mind if we you know, eat these apples? And after like four days, I mean, we figured out how to cook apples every which way. I mean, that's we lived on just apples because that's all we had to eat is apple tree. And the, the guy who owned the place where we were staying had seen us. He's like, man, these guys really want apples, you know? And he was kind of... It was just funny because we ended up becoming really good friends. But at the time, he he didn't like us because he's like, what are these guys doing here? Because he was pissed at the guy that dropped us off. It's just a uh, very confusing story. But we ended up just living on these apples for close to a week. And he, he noticed, he's like, man, these guys must really like apples. So he came over, he's like, hey, uh, you guys, like, what's the deal with the apples? <laughs> We're like, oh, we don't have any food. He's like, oh, crap. Okay. So then we just like, he realized that we didn't know what was going on either and became very good friends. And he invited us uh, into his house to eat later that year um, because we cooked with so many apples. We just uh, kept the theme going. You'd think I'd be sick of apples, but we ended up making this roast duck recipe. 
um, because we, when the duck season started, we'd shot a bunch of uh, paradise ducks, mallards, and, and roasted some ducks this way. And I actually added a little bit of bacon to the recipe there. We By that point, we had vehicles and everything was sorted out. Uh, but this is my honey roasted duck recipe, and I think it turns out really good. Now, you could even just maybe do this with a, a stuffed backstrap. I would think it's like a little bit of sweet, a little bit of savory, but that extra fat in the duck or goose or speckle belly goose, uh, it turns out really good. So just about four apples, some honey, thyme, butter, rosemary, thyme and rosemary pretty much in everything I cook, and then some salt and pepper. I like to pluck the duck whole, heat that oven to about 450. It's going to go in there for about 10 to 15 minutes. So I'll dice up the apples. I'll put a little bit of honey, some thyme and some rosemary inside the cavity of the duck or goose and then you can even if you want to chop up bacon add a little bit extra fat if it's a real lean bird you could do that maybe a little bit extra butter in there um, but what that's going to do what that stuffing does is kind of holds the moisture in whatever you're cooking wild game tends to dry out so anything that we can trap that moisture in and prevent it from drying out is what we want to do and then waterfowl i like to cook to a, a fairly rare temperature maybe 135 max so we're going to stuff it uh, maybe a little salt and pepper on it and put it in a roasting pot with a little oil and butter in the bottom just to keep it from sticking and burning. And then throw that in the oven, about 450. You could leave it covered or not. Um, and pull it out, check the temperature with a meat thermometer or, or poking it when it comes like... I, I like when the juices kind of run clear pink. That seems to be like the right, the right time. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take the honey and just coat the bird in honey and then I'll even throw a little bit of more fresh thyme on the top and then put it back under the broil for about five minutes. So if it's about 125 degrees, 120, something like that, it's going to be about perfect to then put it under the broil. And what we're doing is under the broil, crisping the skin with that nice sugary honey, pull it out, slice and serve. Nice crispy skin, duck or goose, incredible wild game meal. Now for the last one, this is my absolute hands down Christmas favorite. It's what I like to dub the prime rib style wild game it's super easy to do uh, anybody can do it you can do it with any game meat and pretty much any cut uh, i'll do it with like i like when i butcher i've talked about this before but i like to do leave like whole cuts um so like all my rounds and everything i leave is like a roast uh, and because i just if i want to cut into steaks i'll do it later or i can cook things whole slice and serve so this i'll do like with a quarter or a half of a backstrap on Thanksgiving this year, I actually I shot an axis deer a couple days earlier, and then I just did the whole hind quarter whole, but I, I actually removed the bone and then I stuffed it. Um, you can and then trussed it up, so I stuffed it and trussed it like with twine, just tied it up so it kind of maintained a nice shape. I've done this kind of similar thing uh, many different ways, many different cuts. You could even take a, an entire leg of a deer and and do this, and it'd probably turn out incredible. I mean, bone in, just go for it. It's super simple, super easy. So you're going to start with maybe a, a third or half a backstrap. And then you get, say, a quarter cup of olive oil, uh, like a whole head of garlic, eight to ten cloves, and then about three stems of rosemary. you got to like garlic to like this recipe, but I think a lot of people do enjoy garlic. Uh, and then you're going to do like some ground pepper and coarse ground salt or like McCormick's Montreal seasoning, something like that. So then what you're going to do, you're going to combine that garlic, rosemary, and olive oil in a food processor, and you're blending it all together. So you're making essentially a paste. 
then you can do this one of two ways. You can you can coat the top of it uh, and then let it rest in the fridge and let that that flavor impart. Or you can coat it later as well. So there's there's two different ways that I like to do it. But you're going to coat it, uh, let it rest in the fridge if you coat it. Uh, if you don't have the time to let it rest, you can just season it with some salt and pepper. And then we're going to brown it in a really hot skillet. You're going to want to preheat the oven to about 450 degrees. And then we're just going to sear whatever it is. If it's backstrap, it's the hind quarter, whatever it is, in that hot skillet, you're just going to sear and brown the outside. And then you're going to throw it in the oven for about 7 to 15 minutes. That's like once that internal temperature reaches 125 degrees, it's going to be good. Before I put it in the oven, though, I put some extra of that mixture right on the top. And that mixture is going to kind of crust up on the outside, and it's going to be awesome. If you don't want to sear it, you don't have to. I just feel like it gives it a, a little bit better crust that way. Um, I like the outside to be nice and firm and then the inside to be like fairly medium rare rare. So I'll cook it till the internal temperature about 125 degrees and then I pull it out. If it's like if you're doing a whole hind quarter, if you're doing a big, big roast, some of the outside will be a little bit more overdone, just like a big prime rib. You know, you got your end cuts that are a little more done and then you're just going to be focusing on the temperature the furthest in the middle at least hit 125 and then pull it out let it rest slice and serve and it man does it turn out good it tastes just like any kind of delicious prime rib that you've ever had uh, i think it's definitely a crowd pleaser and super simple once you once you do it once you're like dang man that's that's pretty easy and like i said i do have videos on all these so i'm just gonna it's gonna be a big batch uploaded on my Remy Warren YouTube channel. You can go over there and check them out, but it's one of those fun things, man. It's we hunt all season and we learn about the success and the other things, but you got to be successful in the kitchen too. You got to take that what you've harvested and turn it into something that everybody enjoys. And it's a good time to share those stories, those hunt stories and those meals with friends and family. So, I hope that uh, that's something that I, I am very passionate about, sharing food, sharing the hunt. And I hope that you do the same this holiday season. I just want to say Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy holidays, whatever kind of holiday you celebrate. Happy New Year. That's coming up. Uh, I just, uh, I've really enjoyed hosting this podcast, uh, being a part of, you know, maybe your Thursday, being a part of a lot of success uh, and, and getting to share that with a lot of you. So as a little bit of a gift back, I always like to do, a few different giveaways during the holiday season. Uh, I've got, I talked about it last week, but if you missed it, a very large giveaway. It's pretty much everything you need to bow hunt includes a fully set up bow, Matthew's bow, customized to your specifications. That's a tricky word. Specifications. Um, and if you would like it set up, I'll even do, we'll even do a pro tune through our Solo Hunter bow shop here in Reno, Nevada. So the bow will be set up if you want sent to you that way or we can just send you the bow straight from the factory however you want it and then uh there's going to be a dozen arrows day six arrows some broadheads uh, i'm pretty much like mimicking my setup so i know it works it's a great setup uh and then also um, some boots from schnee's a vortex optic range finder what else we got in here we got a lot of cool stuff oh uh, a really good prize package from stone glacier including pack tent uh, gators, sleeping bag, the, all the work. So it's like over $7,500 worth of awesome bow hunting gear. So in order to enter that, go to my website and I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be, it's ending at the end of the year. So 
New Year's Eve will be the end. Midnight, whatever, shut it down. New Year's Day, I'll probably draw the winner. So go ahead and go in there. Sign up for my mailing list. My mailing list is essentially just a place where I can give people cool stuff. That's what I like to do with it. Most mailing lists are meant to sell stuff. I like to just give stuff. So you can go in there, check that out if you so desire. I think it's a it's a pretty sweet package. I hope somebody, one of you wins it. Well, I mean, one of you will win it. Someone will be winning it. Maybe, hopefully, somebody from the podcast will win it. And then just as a special podcast-only giveaway... I like to do this, as you know, if you followed the many Christmas specials so far, I think it was like our third one. Go, I'm going to post a picture of, let's do the prime rib style backstrap, okay? And then just as for people to listen to the podcast, a little bit of an edge up, I've, I've got a Yeti mug and I've got essentially a gift card, like $200 worth of hunting apparel, but I'll be, I'll just, I'll be buying it for you. You can tell me what you want and I will purchase it. Uh, you do that to enter to that just maybe do let's last year we did a mug emoji or some kind of cup emoji just do the same that seemed easy so on that picture on instagram at ruby warren go on there find my thing uh put a mug or a cup or something in that post and then i'll randomly pick two people from that to win the prizes last year i think the person that won the mug or something was in somewhere very far away Probably Australia. And I think the cost of the shipping, it was like seven times the price of the mug. So I might just Venmo you <laughs> to buy your own mug if that's the case again this year. We'll see how we'll see how it goes down. But it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed I enjoyed that. That was cool. And glad that's one thing I, I love about this podcast and listeners, a very good broad range of where people are listening in from. A lot of people from Australia, New Zealand, uh, a lot of people from like, I guess it'd be like Northern Europe, Sweden, Finland, quite a few people from England, all all great places. And then, you know, obviously U.S. and Canada. So I appreciate you all listening. Happy holidays to everyone out there. If you guys uh, think about it, if you end up going over there, checking out the videos on my YouTube page, please, I would appreciate it as a gift back to me. Subscribe to the my YouTube channel. I'm going to be adding more helpful content there. So I'm going to be trying to build that out. Uh, if you like these tips and tactics, you're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff there. You're going to see kind of some feature length films, some old hunts, some new hunts, and it's going to start ramping up a lot here as well. So feel free to subscribe to that. That way you can, I think if you, there's a, an icon where you can get notifications of stuff comes on, but if you want to, great. If not, you do you. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. And until next week, serve that meat upright that was a terrible ending let's uh just let's just end with merry christmas outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. 
Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.